Welcome to the Dirt Cartel Show. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode. Today we have Rachel and Hobbs. What's going on? Um, I've just got back from the beach. I had a lovely sea swim. How about yourself? Uh, you know what? I've been very busy, but like you said, what I need to get better at is creating more boundaries. Yes, it sounds like you're very good at that. I would say it's something that I've had to develop over time to live a life that feels good for me. Okay, uh, we've we've never have we did we met very briefly at IFS. Were you there? I was there, but I I didn't. I was quite heavily pregnant, so I didn't like party with anyone. Okay, yeah, yeah, me neither. <laughs> but um we um you have a we've so we've never officially really actually met until now like we've just spoken now but uh, we've got a mutual friend uh andy yes. and he was like yeah you need to get her on mate she's genius she's great oh wow i yeah. mean i probably i wouldn't go that far that's that's high compliments but yeah love andy no, I, 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 I trust Andy's judgment. He's a good person and a good coach, so I do trust his judgment. And you, you have a very, you have a very nice setup on your backgrounds. My one is obviously a very, it's like a boy's, it's like a kid's home. You know I mean? I'm just not very good. I've got like a jujitsu medal on that side. I've got a plastic uh, cardboard cut out of myself back there. There's some green stuff and a drum there. And That's a like, drum. And a drum. That's like probably similar i can see you got like a bit of a hippiness to you you got you got a bit of that vibe <laughs> am i right this is like our front room um it depends i guess it depends how you define hippie you to me at the minute so far you look like you have like a very peaceful like demeanor and you look like you prefer the very simple things instead of the shit that does not really matter i could be wrong and you are a mother as well. You look like a very, it seems like a home where you are. Am I right? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's really interesting to hear you say that actually. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm a mum of two. So I've got a nearly 14 year old and a seven month old. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I am 32. Oh, snap. How are you? How old am I? I thought, you, are you 32? I'm 30. Oh, you're a little bit younger. I'm 30, I'm 30. You look great. Is there a way a woman should look at a certain age? Oh, okay. This is a, this, I like this topic. There isn't, but I think everyone should look after themselves. And is that reflected in their physical appearance? Uh, not necessarily, but your physical appearance can be dictated on where you are mentally. Yeah, I've, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think there's a big, big indication when you see people that are unhealthy, right, have certain behavior traits and certain habits mm -hmm. that they've formed for them to get to that state, which I'm sure is your kind of, you're the expert of that, right? Oh, I wouldn't call me an expert. I would say that it's a real interest of mine professionally. Okay, good. My, mine too, actually, which is why I, I love coaching because I, I love the human behavior side of things. Yeah. Well, I love to be able to talk to each individual in a different way to get them to see how they react in the way that I spoke them to. Or you look at, I'm sure you have that with your clients, the way they speak to you, you know, when they're lying, right? You can just read their body language. So 
in my line of work, so I'm a, I'm a dietitian and a therapist. So I would, I always track my clients. I hold them in like what we call like unconditional positive regard. So I would never perceive them to be lying other than um, in a, like a protective way for themselves. So um, for whatever reason, so something that comes up loads is because I work with individuals that are experiencing disordered eating or chaotic eating behaviors. So something that does come up a lot is almost like this, um, the, the, the around food intolerance. And okay. we can't introduce certain foods because, because an individual might feel that they are intolerant to it and they express physical symptoms. Actually, those physical symptoms are probably very, very, they feel very, very real, even though there might be nothing wrong with them. But actually, it's again, it's just our survival mechanism. Okay. All right. And how many people do you... Um... And how long have you been doing that exactly? So I've been a personal trainer. That's how I kind of came into the industry. Oh, 50, over 15 years. Oh, wow. um, and then I went to university and did, I wanted to be a pathologist um, and work within forensic science. But then I had... What is that? Sorry. What's Sorry. forensic science? Yeah. No, 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 no. What did you say before that? Oh, a pathologist. What is that exactly? So that is um, if someone has died working out right. the cause of death so taking the body part okay always interested in that so did science the a levels um and then i became pregnant with my eldest and there was no universities locally and i had some science degrees science um a levels so i wanted a qualification that kind of aligned with that and i did dietetics and nutrition at university for four years um, and then I went on to do a postgrad with the International Olympic Committee in sports performance nutrition. Um, yeah, which was so amazing. Um, and then I've done some work with the, the British Army um, sports teams, which has been just so I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And then um, so I graduated 10 years ago. And then since then, I've just been doing um, some CPD and different therapeutic modalities. And then I've literally just finished my counselling training as well. So you're legit. You're not. You're not like me, where I just like you know, I, I, I listen and I and I learn off podcasts and I read bits and bobs and I watch loads of things and then I coach it. You're like legit. <laughs> well, I, I, do you know what? I think there's so much in in doing that self directed learning. You you get to explore exactly what you want, um, and as long as you take that on board and that there are other views, I think that's amazing. I think. Would Would you agree in saying? Um, that did you learn more while practicing than when you studied or yeah 100% I think with the degree I did you do a year in um you do a year in the NHS clinical hospitals okay but that kind of wasn't the route I personally wanted to go down so you did get hands-on but 100% yeah we I I've completely developed professionally through people yeah yeah, people. And I think I think a lot of the time, uh, I think what's really important is, especially now, like online personal training, online coaching, all of this stuff, uh, I think people forget, the ones that are newly qualified, uh, the, they forget like people like yourself or myself have actually done a lot of work face-to-face -face before yeah. coming across to online. Because to be able to coach someone, you need to be able to communicate with people, right? And if you don't have that ability, it's going to be very... It's going to be very difficult for you to, I guess, get a uh, message across. And what, in your experience, have you found like the biggest problem has been around, say, uh, 
people with people's behavior around food uh the biggest the biggest what the issue that comes to me would you say yeah um i would i would probably say um it's that desire or the thought would be the desire to be thinner and then getting stuck in that yo-yo dieting cycle you know restriction then what someone would perceive as binge eating and it probably comes up for you as well yeah yeah all the time all the time and, and what 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 would you say is binge eating what is binge eating because you know a lot of times people they just throw like random terminologies like without even kind of know what it is and I feel like my audience would really benefit out of knowing that yeah so I personally work from what I would describe as a like a non-pathologizing approach so um regard so that means there's not like set disorders even though, so for such as like anorexia nervosa, binge eating disorder, some people really benefit from having that diagnosis because they, it enables them to understand it and it enables them to get support because you can only, especially in the UK, only get support if you meet a certain criteria. Whereas I come from it as in if it's a behavior, an eating behavior or an exercise behavior that's causing an individual distress, it doesn't have to tick certain criteria in order yeah. to be worthy of support. But so a lot of people perceive it to be a binge um, when in, in terms of the diagnosis, it would be perhaps overeating or um, something like that. But to be a binge, it has to be um, always followed by shame and distress after eating um, and eating quite rapidly and feeling out of control. OK, like legit, like. Yeah, but I mean, there is also um some people would describe binge eating also if someone was doing it over the course of the day but also feeling out of control okay just like a gradual build-up yeah yeah and not rather than because previously it used to be it had to be in a short space of time um but we've kind of moved away from that that criteria now but again if it's just if it doesn't fit into a binge criteria but it still feels distressing it's still worthy of reaching out and getting support yeah and it's important to address these problems, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're often symptoms, um, all these eating behaviours of something else. And it's just how that issue or the underlying things presenting itself. Yeah. And the issues you're talking about, uh, uh, would you say usually have nothing to do with health initially, but like stuff in people's life? Yeah, a hundred. I mean, it's so multifactorial. We know that I think it will be impossible to ever get to. There's never a single root cause, but yeah. definitely, I think you know it's the same way. Um, I mean, drugs and alcohol are a bit different because they're a chemical. But say someone was felt compulsed to work or use social media, it's almost like a way. At some point in their lives, they've learned how to numb or to cope with someone that felt 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 unbearable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And would you say the food, say like the binge eating or whatnot, it's just kind of numbing yourself in a way to forget something or make yourself feel better? It can be both. I think any of these behaviors can be super individualistic. Yeah. Um, so, but often when someone comes to us, as I'm sure you know, they can't, they don't understand why they're doing it at first. So yeah. I think it's always about just bringing some self-awareness to that. Yeah. So they start to understand their triggers um, and start to understand, oh, maybe it's, I get this when I'm experiencing anxiety or when I'm a low mood and want to feel something or when I feel high and want to feel grounded. Yeah. And what would be the question you would tell these guys to ask themselves 
to know if that is a problem. Because I think when people are in distress or there's a lot of stuff happening in their life, I think it's very hard for them to even know that they're doing that sometimes, you know? And I've seen this a lot of times with my clients and when I'm working with people, I don't think, they don't even realize that they're doing some things. We, we've all had clients where they were, no, no, I'm hitting my calories. I'm, yeah. I'm hitting my, I'm like, you're definitely not. Like, mm. you, if you've been doing the same thing and you've been hitting your calories for the last six weeks, like, and there's no change, you haven't changed something, right? Yeah. So what would you say to those people? What should they, what should they ask themselves? So I would go from a place of rather than tracking intake, if that's perhaps not working from a macro perspective to use. Um, there's another app, which is great. It's called Nourishly or Recovery Record or just a pen and paper. And yeah. just to almost like note down what they're eating, note down the environment and note down um, their maybe how they're feeling and what sensations they're experiencing in the body as well. And then they can start to put it together because sometimes it can be that they feel a lot of shame and guilt around these behaviors. Um, yeah. So it's, it's it, we've just got to be very compassionate when we approach these clients, as I know you are. And do you think this? I guess depending on the scene, and I think I can be really straight with my clients, especially after they've gained a level of respect for me. I don't just go. I, I don't just meet someone and start giving advice. You know those people. I'm just yeah. like I've just met you, bro. Like don't give me advice. I don't even know you yet. Like just at least. You know, let me gain some respect from me first, then I'll listen, right? So I kind of wait for that element before I dive in with tough love or whatever it is, yeah. right? Which I think is a, is very common and why a lot of people in the industry, especially I think females, get disheartened by people because they're not actually listening. <laughs> they're not listening. And because they're not listening, they, they're just throwing out, I guess, the calorie thing uh whereas do you see that and i feel like i might know the answer to this do you see the whole drop your calories this is a simple way of attacking something or do you have a better because we all know my boy smith calorie bloody deficit me screaming up 24 7 throwing a very simple message out there yeah. to help big audiences unlike yeah. yourself where you're working probably with smaller groups where you can be a little bit more personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So is what was, sorry, could you ask the question? So would you say throwing something simple as just drop your calories is a wrong angle to go on things? Should they be, should, should coaches be addressing people in a more depth way before just going, just hit this calories and go on? So I think, like you said, for a, for a massive audience, and if your target for individuals is that they would like to lose weight in a healthy way, then they need to learn about energy balance. Um, so I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And also I think if you're working with someone, for example, one-to-one -one as a coach, you need to build up uh, like what we'd call as a therapeutic rapport, like this trusting relationship. You yeah. trust them, they trust you. And then you can start after educating them then suggesting about making those dietary changes okay cool sweet because i do find that um over the years it has come i, I do think it's the tables are going to turn i think okay what, what in what way in in the way of everyone's been given a simple message right before like i give a lot i give a very simple message in what i do i don't think people need to understand 
the complex sides of what we're telling people to do maybe mm-hmm. explain to them I think although even if you uh, explain to them in depth I think in one way it's kind of pointless it's important to educate but there's no need to go into such depth where they need to know every specific thing keep in mind I wouldn't know every specific thing either. So I don't really want to talk about stuff I don't really know, which is why I talk to smarter people like you, <laughs> you know? So like, and um, I think at some point, because this is creating a bit of an influence on younger coaches to now drop your calories, hit 10,000 steps, just train four days a week and blah, 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 is actually going to lower the quality of upskilling they actually need, but they don't do it because they see it's simple. And I think it's going to flip around eventually where it's going to go bang. Wait, none of this is working anymore. Yeah. They need to bring it back. And to be honest, I'll be fine because I'll still, do, I know all that. But I feel like a lot of people are going to get damaged while that's happening, as well as kind of the coaches um, are probably not going to, well, they're probably well, like 90% of personal trainers, self-employed personal trainers, they're going to drop off and kind of not know what they're doing. That's how I think it's going to change. Would you agree or would you say like... Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually, because I definitely come from a place of um, like humans need and, and deserve, I guess, they need like in, an individualised approach if you're working with a, a specific coach. And if, like you said, if we keep hammering into them... Uh, all you need to do is a calorie deficit and walk to 10,000 steps a day. And they're not able for whatever reason to do that because of behaviors, because of whatever's gone on in the past. Um, then all it does is it creates more and more shame in someone. And it's really difficult, I've found in clients, for them to change from a place of shame. So we need to think if, if it is right for them to create a calorie deficit and, and pursue weight loss, um, is this an act of self-care or does it feel like an act of self-punishment? interesting okay and how how do you identify that it would be a feeling okay from you for no so so i would never tell them they're always a leader of their own journey as i would say um but but i don't know let's have an example some days for example i mean do you watch netflix i do yeah sometimes and i bet sometimes that feels like watching the next episode might feel like an act of self-care and other days actually staying up and watching another one when when you really need to go to bed is an act of self-punishment and I think internally we can kind of know that and when we when I start working with someone we we look at what are the sensations in our body uh, trying to support us with um, and yeah go by that would you say I guess the hippie side I think internally I think we already have all the answers right i think we already have all the answers i think a lot of people know all the answers but i think a lot of people avoid it right yeah now it, this could be the shame thing i'm not yeah. i'm not it could be possibly could be embarrassment of some sort for something or just potentially scare fear of failure which i've also yeah. felt a lot with uh, a lot of clients like i get so many emails going there and i'm scared that i'm gonna fail so I might leave this one out. And I'm I'm baffled. I'm like, what? Like, this is exactly why you should do it. I'm always like, if it makes you nervous, it's like the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what would you say to those people where they've failed? They've failed. They've tried a diet. They've tried this diet. They've tried that diet. And 
What would you say to these people? What do you think? Why do you think that occurs? I think there's a variety of reasons. I think we we face a lot of things like self-sabotage. Yeah. Um, like if what what does success mean what happens then we can't we if we are someone that is a chronic dieter we know who we are we know what life's going to be like and very unconsciously it, it can change is scary even if it's change that will eventually be a positive change it's still really scary and yeah. if no one's taught us how to um, feel and experience those emotions in a healthy way then we're likely to stay stuck in a cycle yeah because it's easier I think it's familiar. I, I, I see how you choose your words very, very carefully. I'm more like, fuck it, I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're more like, no, no, I'm going to think about this because this could be damaging <laughs> to the individual. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely like the therapist side of you, right? And do you think that angle of looking at things and like even you being very precise about the word that you said, right? Do you think sometimes that, I don't want to say softness, I don't know what to say, uh, maybe, I don't, I don't even know the word. Do you think maybe not crossing a boundary could also sometimes be not damaging, but not as impactful as, because sometimes with my clients, I literally like, if I see them, I'm like, stop fucking about, man. Let's go, like you don't need that glass of champagne like you're you're overweight you don't need that do you and they're like no you're right like sometimes you know yeah. and I'm 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 careful with who I do it with like I'm of course I'm careful with who I do it with but do you think people are now almost coaches or people talking about these feelings do you think people are scared to address the factual thing I think there I think there's been a really strong hasn't there movement for um uh, like body positivity, intuitive eating, all that. And it's, you know, it's, we just hear the loudest voices in the room, don't yeah. we? Which is like calorie deficit and and this other body positivity, fall in love with just, just your body the way it is. And yeah. I think the answer is is rarely in those realms. I think it's, it's in this gray area in the middle, which is a bit more boring to talk about, but I think that's where we need to sit as professionals. Um, and like what you said with your client, you... I would probably say you built up that trusting relationship and you probably aren't overstepping your boundaries because if you were, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. And actually, you know that that client, this works really well for them. You've learned them, you've learned their behaviors, you learn what motivates them and what doesn't. So I would say that that is, is within realms of. Okay, cool. Um, would you say that the movements like body positivity and I guess body confidence, because they're different things aren't they are they different things they're different things yeah they? there's I mean there's so many different like movements in that space yeah do you think those movements give a positive outlook on on people or a negative because I do honestly I really feel like majority of my following are females right yeah females suffer way more than men in this stuff like mm -hmm. I, from my experience Men suffer with different things, I think, mentally. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's never really, they're never really like fully suffering from physique. It's not the top. It's not the mm. top. I think they suffer from other things more. Again, depending on the individual. But I feel like females get impacted by this more than anyone, like anyone. Would you say that gives a positive um, 
impact of females or would you say negative? So again, I don't think, sorry, there's a, fine, there's a yes or no. I would say um, that, that there are positives to it, but as I've looked into it a lot more, you know, with body positivity, you know, we see different bodies, we, we see more diversity, which is great, yeah. but it still pushes all our focus to the body. When yeah. I believe our work around bodies should be about our body is a part of our life, but we don't want to spend too much time and attention on it. Um, yeah. And we want to, you know, so we can go and enjoy lots of other things that we're experiencing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I don't have, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, you go, you go, sorry. I was going to say, have you, the reason why I think more, well, a theory is self-objectification theory. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. Go for it, please. No. So this was based on women, but I do think more men are, either coming forward or experiencing body image issues than perhaps previously. Okay. And I think that again, a variety of reasons for that, but self-objectification theory, just really briefly, is, the, um, is a theory that, I think it was in the 90s it came about, whereby um, women were so often objectified by external individuals, probably often men, um, and they saw, we, we growing up as girls see us objectified in adverts on TV, those type of things that actually we learn to see ourselves as objects um, and take a third person view of ourselves. And therefore our bodies are what makes us us. Okay. Whereas okay. actually, and, and I do find that sometimes with a lot of clients and I think a lot of people, we just live like on the outside of our bodies and rather than like within them. So talking about things like knowing when we're tired, when we're hungry, knowing how our body's telling us how we're feeling is quite difficult. There's quite a disconnect between mind and body often. Probably because in today's society, everything that we're doing is fucking numbing. Yeah, absolutely. And even I think in lockdown, when I started working online, I became much more disconnected to my body because I would be spending so much time looking at the screen. Yeah. I can tell that as well by the way you reply on WhatsApp. What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, I can tell, like, you're very good with boundaries. Like, I can tell. Oh, yeah. I can already tell. And even, like, when I messaged you earlier, you, you were coming from the beach with your baby, right? Yes. So, like, you're obviously very good at kind of bringing yourself back to, to reality and then doing what you have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think we, I think it was a conscious choice for me over lockdown to stop spending as much time on screens. Yeah, I think that's a very um, good. We just get sucked in, don't we? It's so easy just to get stuck in a hole and then you miss out on so much. 100%. And I think um, I sometimes get very carried away with, I create boundaries and sometimes I fall off. And to be honest, when I do fall off, it's usually when I stop meditating. That's really interesting. I, th I yeah. think it's human to, to sometimes fall off our boundaries as well. Yeah, and meditating I'm like, it kind of brings me back in and not that I'm adv advising this for anyone that's listening but every so often when I go do a mushroom trip yeah. <laughs> it brings me back yeah it, it, it kind of brings me back and the only reason I say that is anyone listen to this do not try this at home right <laughs> all right but kind of brings me back to like I want to say earth but like to nature to where we're supposed yeah. to sort of sort of feeling you know which is why when i'm meditating and stuff my goal is to always kind of get to that when yeah. i'm meditating to get to that level of depth of 
being present, I guess. Yes, yeah, because I, I think, guess you feel everything so deeply um, when you're doing any sort of kind of psilocybin or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think it's probably a quick route that meditation would take years and years and years and years and years, and years to develop. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a cheat code for sure. It's yeah. a cheat code. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess if with meditation, if you don't know where you're going, how can as well I don't know but there's so much um research on plant medicine now as I'm sure that you know um like PTSD anorexia nervosa binge eating disorder yeah 100% and who was it that said it Lucy Law told me this that someone else told her it was like basically when you do something like that it's kind of like getting a say you're at the bottom of the mountain you jump on a helicopter you get to the top for a bit yeah to know what it's like and yeah like create that journey because you kind of know where towards where you're going absolutely yeah which is what definitely happened to me and it's crazy how much impact it's had and sometimes I fall off but I come back I fall off and come back anyway going back to that and the reason I talk about this stuff right is because I think all of this nutrition training the way you live everything is, Mm -hmm. is impacted by your mind of course yeah and people don't address it enough. And when your mind is at peace, I really do think you make better choices with food. Oh, of course, yeah. So do you, this would be a good time, I think, have you spoken about um, like nervous system regulation before, anything like that? Right. Bits of it, but okay. to be honest, I wouldn't know to the depth of what you would. So go for it, please. Yeah, so something we would always do a little bit of psychoeducation on is around the the nervous system. And you've probably heard the terms like fight and flight. Yeah. 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 So if you think of it as a ladder at the top of our, um, the top of our, of the ladder is our, our safe and secure place where we can connect with people, make eye contact, make rational decisions, use the whole of our brain and genuinely feel pretty good. And then if something feels like a threat, so the amygdala, which is like the threat detector in our brain will say, this this feels like a threat, you need to um, fight or flight to remove yourself from the situ- move yourself from the threat. And this is when we experience uh, like a high heart rate, our breathing becomes shallow, we might get a bit sweaty. We get, a lot of people will say they get a lot of chaotic thoughts. Um, and, that's where individuals, I would say, are more likely to, if they're stuck in there, more likely to restrict. Um, but for a long, people can't be in this fight or flight for too long because it's exhausting and it's experienced as anxiety. Um, so what happens next is they go to the next rung on the ladder and that's kind of our freeze state. So okay. that's when we are very disconnected. Some people might describe it as a low mood. Um, we struggle to get motivated. And a lot of individuals with any type of of chaotic eating will flip between those two states and find it very hard to get back up to that safe and secure. Okay. So something that we want to do, and when we're in those bottom two survival states, we can't necessarily think rationally. We can't access those rational, logical trains of thought that we need to, to make the sensible choices around our eating or around uh, the behaviors that we're trying to incorporate into our lives. So something that's really important for me when working with clients is to help them learn how they create a sense of safety for themselves, for their nervous system. And you would, you would prioritize that first more than anything. Yeah, so it's, we, we do something called creating safety anchors. Where am I when I feel most safe? You know, is that, if it's a beach, could I create a visualization for that? 
you know and also things like breath work is amazing just to bring your bring yourself to a place of, of safety yeah I, I 150% agree with that 100% it, it, it actually does you know what's crazy as well and I've said this before I'm like I'm not from East London right I was I went to school in East London the last thing I thought I would have ever said when I'm 30 is like some hippie shit that we're talking about right now <laughs> <laughs> this is i think that's what's great because it's i don't think it's any longer hippie shit not there's yeah. anything wrong with hippie shit but i think it's becoming it's recognized we've got loads of research on it we've got the science that back it and the the personal experiences as well yeah 100 because it, it's almost like that's how it was years yeah. and years ago with and it wasn't a thing because everyone was doing it naturally yes. yeah know? And now the numbingness that we were talking about has mm-hmm. created us to kind of not be, I think, our natural selves. You yeah. know, you're almost, you're like you said, it's like you're not in your body, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and that's what's exactly happening. So it's actually kind of messed up when you think about it that we have to bring ourselves back to our own self. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But I think you know? it's probably... I don't know, the stress of how we're living, that that we've not been taught how to create safety. It's a survival mechanism to live outside ourselves. I think it serves a purpose. Yeah, for sure. And definitely in Western society, when I go to Turkey to like my grandparents and like where my dad was born, which is in a village outside of the city, uh, they're all at peace. Amazing. They don't have anything, but they're peaceful. They're like, they're so happy. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, they're at that state that you're talking about. They're never actually out of that state. So they're completely happy with everything that they have and everything. And they are just what they are. They are just present, it sounds like. Exactly, exactly. Um, one thing you mentioned about men opening up now about this sort of stuff. Uh, do you think they weren't opening up about it because it's probably a sign of weakness to most people? I think it's that, I mean, I think this is where the patriarchy benefits no one that that men that feel like they should be a certain way, look a certain way, you know, feel a certain way. Um, and I think when you get, when you start to get people opening up, it does create like a cascade, but I think it's going to take time. Yeah. It'll take, it'll take time. But I think the more, I guess, guys like me talk about this stuff, I think it will help. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important. Okay, yeah, exactly. What? Um, okay, we all, I guess, we we address how much we eat is important. How important is what we eat? Because I've said to a lot of my clients, I say to a lot of people, now how much you eat, again, is very important. It will determine, yeah. energy will determine how much you lose weight, you put on weight or whatnot. But if you don't consider what you are eating, then it's kind of as bad as really overeating, I think. I don't know if you don't consider. What do you think about that? Um, so are we talking in the realms of fat loss and body weight loss, or are we talking just generally? Just generally? Just generally yeah. healthy. Then, then I would say what we eat is really important because if you're thinking about the you know essential fatty acids from your omega-3s, um, then getting enough iron, it's all your micronutrients that are that get all your enzymatic processes working so we need to ensure that that our diet is fulfilling those needs and which again is why we worry about really restrictive weight loss diets because we're lacking nutrients yeah 
And we can, of course, take a multivitamin, a mineral, but they're never going to be as good as food. I, I said that on my, I said that on my stories the other day, like someone kicked off a little bit. They're like, yeah, but what if I can't get my, like, da, da, da. and I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, you can, if you want, like, yeah. let's be honest. We, we all actually have time to do all these things. I think we choose not to. We, and I get it. Everyone's going to say, especially, and I get it. Dieran, you don't have kids. You don't know and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool. But I know people with kids that yeah. are doing very well. You know, I don't, and I don't want to say, don't use that as an excuse, but I feel like it sometimes is like, even if you get the amount of say vitamins and minerals, say you do from a tablet. Yeah. What, what percentage of difference is getting it from food gonna make like how much better would you say is it from food compared to a tablet so i would say i mean i'd have to it obviously depends on the food because it will depend on what we call like the bioavailability of it okay, um, yeah. i mean the multivitamins and minerals are great but i think food has so much more than just fuel yeah so it it, it, it stimulates so many emotions joy sadness memories those type of things so i think when we say a food first approach it does take into account everything that food offers rather yeah. than just its micronutrient status okay yeah because even the process of like sitting on a table a plate knife and fork yeah eating chewing taking your time with chewing absolutely you don't realize how much impact that makes on your satiety levels right yeah yeah and and the ritualistic aspect of it as well is very good for for, for mood mental health yeah and even like or socializing kind of absolutely you know, yeah bringing bringing people together and when it comes to like the socializing aspect of food would you say that alcohol is a big are you much of a drinker um not anymore <laughs> back in the day yeah back in the day yeah no um i enjoy a glass of wine but it's not it's not mad it's not mad how much impact does alcohol have on someone's diet choices? So, because obviously alcohol is processed slightly differently. Um, however, I wouldn't say it's the, the necessarily the drinking the alcohol that is the issue. It's the a feeling horrendous the next day and maybe the day after that and then reaching for takeaways, whatever's going to not actually be nurturing to the body. I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly how I say things as well. Like, because yeah. I'm always like, alcohol is going to affect your sleep. Yeah. And sleep is still, I think, just like kind of being present or meditating and all that is, the, yeah. I think, still the most underrated thing people don't oh, focus 100%. on. Yeah. From satiety levels to how efficiently your brain works during the day yeah. when you don't get sleep. Like, you know, when you don't get sleep, but you've got two kids, right? You should. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't get when you don't get your seven to nine hours sleep your focus and everything is uh it's kind of all over the place right yeah i'm definitely not my best self honestly <laughs> and with alcohol right actual alcohol how does it metabolize differently to um food so no. it's it's I'm not 100% it's not my area of expertise but it's something to do with it going through the liver so you don't absorb as many of the calories as you might think you do so it's seven calories per gram 
yeah but we might not absorb all of those in the same way we don't absorb all the calories from all the food we eat depending yeah. on how effective our gut is um but it's something like that but yeah. i'm not 100 sure tell me if i'm incorrect here i once heard this could be very wrong the calories that you the, the intake of calories through alcohol can um your body won't metabolize it naturally you have to burn it more physically i think i'm saying it right i have no idea to be honest okay cool that's fine yeah, no that's idea fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It was just interesting. It was just interesting. To, and I was like, oh, does that make sense? I don't know. But I'm like, if I say that to people, it could get them to kind of <laughs> yeah. a little bit less. Technically, I could be wrong from a couple of nutritionists or scientists, but the message itself will make a big difference. <laughs> falsify some information yeah. to get them to change behavior. It's fine. <laughs> that's how my brain works, you know, <laughs> and it's working all right. <laughs> and it usually yeah, okay. I think, I mean, I think it takes long, uh, longer to metabolize than we realize, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's not, well, it, natural. Well, it is natural. It's just mm -hmm. not as natural as fruit, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's been through processing, I guess. Yeah, I which might be a bit more complex, yeah. I think one of um, a big, well, I think people are paying a bit more attention to it now. Um, and what I want to know, and I don't have much, I, I don't know much about this. I've read a book once, but it was ages ago. I don't even remember it. How important is your gut health? Uh, very important, I would say. Okay. Um, so from an aspect, from, from many different aspects. So we know that, that the some people refer to it as like two brains because the, the gut and the brain are interlinked. And it, so therefore it affects our mood. And like you said, our, our mind affects our choices and it can get into a vicious cycle. Yeah. And how do you do, do you do a lot of work on gut health stuff or do you just kind of briefly? So a lot of individuals that are experiencing some sort of sort of disordered eating will also be experiencing gut health issues. And that can be for a variety of reasons. So commonly, I mean, you might have it, if someone's dieting, would they say to you that they are getting bloated or maybe they're constipated? That's so funny because I was just about to say like everyone seems to be having like bloating issues. Things yeah. that, what do you think is the biggest like contributor to this like bloating uh, pandemic? So, <laughs> bloating pandemic. So I would say stress has an impact. That's going to impact our digestive health. Okay. I would say chronic dieting or yo-yo dieting. Um, because what happens if we're very, very restrictive with calories is that, that our gut works by doing like a squeezing action the okay. food through and in the same way that if we are in a deficit and um or an extreme deficit or a prolonged deficit we're going to lose our bicep muscles yeah for example well i don't really have any to begin with but um we would our gut muscles would lose some of their strength and then they couldn't push the food through as well so it sits in our guts a little bit longer ferments and um as the bacteria gets to it and there's good bacteria in there it releases off gases okay um so that's that could be one reason we also need a variety of different um types of bacteria in our gut for it to perform optimally and if we are having a very very restrictive diet then we won't be able to breed those bacteria so we want to have lots and lots of different types of especially plants as much variety as possible 
um, in our diet. So we get the bacteria that breaks it down, provides us with the nutrients and enables it to travel through the gut. Okay. Cause I, say me personally, I've never really had gut issues or that sort of problem because I think my gut is like bulletproof from when I was a kid, man. I was like, it's going to sound crazy, but I've even eaten raw chicken. And I've been fine. Like <laughs> that, I mean, again, probably not advised. No, no, not advised. No, not advised. But like, I feel like my stomach is a mix of like everything you can think of, which Amazing. is maybe why I probably don't have those sort of issues. And do you think that needs to be exposed to people from early age, like kids, for example, should they be having everything? Um, well, I do. I mean, ideally, we want to have as, as least restrictive diet as possible, I would say. Um, yeah. Even in, you know, kids and we can, kids can be fussy, but if we model those behaviours for them, they're yeah. more likely to, to follow suit. Um, and just out of interest, do you ever get sick or are you quite well? I rarely get sick. No, yeah. yeah I really. Because so, a lot of our immune system is in our gut. So yeah. it's, if we've got poor gut health, it links to a like poor immunity and getting sick. So if you've got good gut health, then. Oh, good. Amazing. Because for me, I'm like, when I'm sick, I get sick, man. I'm like a little drama queen. Not going to lie. A drama king. I don't know, just in case someone gets offended. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, I feel like, again, with not being sick, it's definitely gut yeah. linked to your mind, your brain, being healthy, yeah. active, doing what I love, always training always yeah. i'm not being happy i guess you know i think it makes a huge impact because we all know a lot of people that are overweight unhealthy you're the one usually in hospital most of the time at the gps or feeling shitty about something or you find something to be shitty about and my tone of voice changes a little bit in this because to the people that's listening uh maybe this is how rachel might think of this like differently or probably give this message across differently for me it's just like stop fucking around <laughs> you know the cause like you you know the cause of why you're sick and a, a paracetamol or a tablet is not going to fix it you need to kind of track back to the actual problem which is i guess what you do in a more systematic way <laughs> slightly well yeah and i would 100 just add in there um my my professional view is that someone can be overweight and healthy yeah yeah and it doesn't they're not linked um i think if someone has excess adiposity especially around their stomach they are more likely to be in the what we would consider what we consider as obesity um and then that's where they have issues around like cardiovascular health immune system um decreases things like that but i think someone can definitely be um in an, in an overweight body or what we consider with the BMI um, as overweight or in a fatter body and still be performing these health behaviors and be no less, it depends how we want to, want to uh, uh, qualify healthy as, um, yeah. be no less healthy than someone that's maybe in a smaller body and fits into a normal BMI weight range. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, it does. Yeah. I just call it, I call them, uh, like team soft belly in it i've got a tiny bit of a soft belly but i can lift i'm fit my fitness is good i've trained very well you know just a bit of fluff around the edges you know i think some of us are, are naturally just got a bit more body fat and fluff and that's fine 100 and i think people don't um which is why like comparison is such a bitch when it like with yeah. my clients i'm like 
people, some people are genetically just so much leaner. Yeah. They're so much yeah. leaner. And like, I remember being in school with some of my friends in year six, he's got a shredded six pack. And I'm like, yeah. I remember this. And I remember thinking, he's never going to have issues. And I remember looking at me going, well, I'm definitely a little bit on the like fluffy side. Yeah. I know I'm probably going to be stronger and maybe bigger than him or whatever, but I just knew that. Whereas I think people forget that. And I guess media, Instagram. Oh, 100%. Stuff, yeah. You know what I mean? When but, you said um, you saw him with his six pack and he's never going to have issues, what issues did you work like coming up for you? The issues I refer to are the issues that I thought about for myself. Okay. Not. Uh, especially now thinking about it being all the more like a coach because at that point I didn't really care about him I was looking at yeah. <laughs> you know the comparison was to how different it would be to me from my point of view yeah. compared to say if I look at it now I know loads of unhealthy people with six-pack majority of them are called bodybuilders <laughs> yeah you know yeah. And, and, I, and I wind a lot of bodybuilders up I'm like some of them come up to me, yeah, yeah, I'm bodybuilding athlete. I'm like, well, you're not really an athlete, are you? <laughs> Have it, you've never done it. Have you done uh, it? Have you done like st stood on stage, any of that? No, I prefer to do no. real sport. Yeah, so I'm going to say <laughs> I actually did do it. No! I did, but also I'm going to back that up with then straight after I um, got on the GB team for powerlifting. And so so I, I checked, it wasn't for me, the stage life. Like yeah. I respect people that do it but it's definitely not for me um so yeah I've, I've power lifted for great britain and i've done an iron man so i hope that like balances it out nice in your judgment but like i also think when you when where, how old were you when you did it um so it was in two early 20s okay yeah, very early 20s different time different view, yeah not knowing like that was a popular thing then bodybuilding absolutely and if you think about bodybuilders, the real OG bodybuilders, yeah, they did it because they loved it, right? Absolutely. They would they would do bodybuilding with jumpers on, hiding their body because that wasn't the point for them. They loved it, yeah. right? Today, it's the tightest Gymshark shirt, and I need to get a photo while I'm doing this bicep curl, which is why I'm like, that's not that is not a sport, yeah. right? Yeah. You're talking about the old school G's, yeah. The ones in LA in what do you call it? What's that gym? Gold's gym. Like oh, I'd love definitely. to watch them train. I'm like, cool, these guys are legit, you know, compared to but again, who am I to judge? But I'm still do, I guess. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know what? I think it's really natural for us to judge, but just question our judgments. Because I yeah. do wonder why. I'm always if a judgment comes up for me, I kind of have to try and look into it a little bit more about someone. Like I wonder why they feel they need to do that. Mm. Or is it something about me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, or why am I not doing it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just quickly going back to like the gut, if someone has like a particularly damaged gut, for say like from stress yeah. or an eating disorder yeah, uh, or just unhealthy eating behaviours, what can they do to repair it? So I think that I would say the biggest nutrition advice is obviously if you can financially, to eat regular, consistent meals throughout the day that are a mix of carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and making sure you've got some plants in there. 
And I think that consistency and the regularity is really, really important. Um, I would also say make sure you get a variety of different plants. And when we talk about plants, we're talking about fruits and vegetables, obviously, and then your whole grains and then herbs and spices, pulses all count as well. Yeah, amazing. Uh, So I I think the research now is up to to try and get 30 different ones in a week. Ooh. Yeah, but actually, if you wrote down what you were having, I think most of us aren't far off yeah okay yeah without knowing yeah okay i get you yeah and then we can do things like probiotics and consider a probiotic supplement if someone's really done those changes and really experiencing um still symptomatic but we do get some probiotics and things like greek yogurt as well so we could add that in we could also make sure that we're eating enough food um and there's no nutritional deficiencies yeah okay and then stress management stress big 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 factor and because it's weird it's like the stress will also dictate you taking action the next day of eating regularly and then it yeah turns into this cycle of like oh shit i've got to start again yeah yeah and that fight or flight state and when we're in that state and high stress overwhelm it's hard for us to make the choices that we need to that will be good for us would you advise, because I've had clients before that I've had like gut issues and I know it's caused from stress and whatnot, um, I guess a mix of things. Would you tell them to avoid any foods, even if they've say had blood tests and all of that stuff? Would you say, because to me, I'm just like, your body would not adapt, will kind of adapt to whatever is happening around you. Should they, because you know when people was like, yep, avoid gluten, avoid this, yeah. avoid that. And I'm always slightly against that and I could be wrong. So I would always say we want, we want to keep as much variety in our diet as completely possible. Yeah. So don't cut anything out unless you need to. Um, and obviously there's things like celiac disease where someone would have to cut out gluten um, yeah. permanently. Uh, but the issue is if someone thinks they have an intolerance, say to, to milk and dairy, and they cut it out, our body isn't then gonna continue to produce um, our lactase enzyme, which breaks down lactose sugar. And so then when we have it next or we have an ad hoc ice cream, because it's a hot day, we might experience symptoms because we haven't got the enzymes. So they need to, we need to incorporate it again. So our enzymes can upregulate so it can then break down. Okay, okay. So if something, I mean, the only way to tell is to cut something out and then to slowly reintroduce. Okay. probably best way of doing that is like probably keeping to keeping a like a food diary writing down what you're eating and seeing what is kind of creating that right yeah absolutely and if if someone was to go from so i'm asking more questions i really do get fat i I love all this shit like (laughs) if if someone was saying eating they've got gut issues and if they only eat one meal a day they smash out coffee and maybe a grenade bar all day and then just have one big meal in the evening is that kind of expected to have kind of gut pain because now you're like overworking your body at that state so i would expect there would be bloating because you're probably eating a lot of volume in one go yeah and then i'd also be concerned if they were just having like a coffee that can um that can also stimulate gut motility and then like say you were saying a protein bar um yeah. sweetness can have a, a negative impact on the gut as well so a lot of people that are experiencing ibs see that's a trigger for bloating okay and it would be very difficult to kind of meet your 
nutritional needs mm. in terms of from a micronutrient perspective in one meal. Yeah. So I think all those contributing factors is, I think, again, I'm speaking for the general population, it would be best to spread intake out evenly across the course of the day. Okay. So even if it was, say, someone that's like kind of conditioned themselves to eat one big meal a day, they should maybe introduce two first, three, maybe even four or five moving forward to like really increase the the variety of the food they're eating as well as like the volume of what they ate, right? Yeah. And of course, there will be some people that if they, it does work for them and they're not experiencing any, any gut distress, then there'll be no reason to change it if they were meeting their nutritional needs. But generally, I would say, yeah, three meals and two to three snacks spread across the day. Mm, OK, because there's, you know, like oh, there's I heard something called FODMAP diet or something so fodmap is about is um one of the science-based evidence-based treatments for ibs to help manage it okay and there are different types of sugars and different types of foods okay um so for example uh fruit has fructose sugar in some people might only be or might only experience a a gastro reaction to having fructose rather than all the different ones and there's a there's some great apps one of them's called fodmap lab um, and it actually, if you type it in, say type in chickpeas, it will tell you green, yellow or red, the level of um, particular FOD, FODMAP, which is a different type of sugar is in the food. So you start to learn, oh, actually, if I'm having too much of this in a meal, like maybe I can tolerate a quarter of an avocado, but push it to half. If I'm also having chickpeas, then then I'll start to get symptoms. OK. And is that also... Um, what's the... Biphasic? Is it biphasic? Biphasic diets that require to cut out food is that like similar so oh um do you mean like diets where you would reduce food down to a very basic very basic very yeah. basic and I, then guess add like food in. We, I guess like what we kind of spoke about just before I brought this up whereas you were like yeah mix it all up basically yeah yeah absolutely so if someone really didn't know what was going on we could take it down to a really basic diet with foods that very rarely create a problem and then add foods in slowly and see what's creating the reaction because if you don't eat um i guess regularly and you do stick to that one meal it could create a fear of kind of eating right that could cause like long-term damage to an individual's relationship with food um i would say it always comes down to the particular individual and why they're performing the behavior okay so if something, someone was doing something like that, I would probably say maybe they were doing it because, I mean, I would hate to think someone's work is so busy that they can only have one meal a day. But say that was the case, yeah. then um, I would say just to ensure it didn't become an issue, then maybe like on a weekend, they would they would have other meals as well. So we're not getting too conditioned into a behavior. But but ultimately, it's the reason why we do the behavior. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've seen people do that and then stress about what they're going to eat fearing that there's going to be like a mad reaction in terms what a a physical reaction like yeah just like gonna feel bloated gonna feel not comfortable so they're like you know what it's probably safe kind of not to eat it instead and that's not really healthy is it then is it better for someone to be like you know what i should introduce this in to then like mix up I think again there is an element that 
having a distended stomach after we eat is completely normal okay. because we've got the food that we've eaten on the plate in our stomachs and it's going to take time to go down so our stomachs in the morning when we've had an overnight fast yeah. are going to look different than in the evening or after lunch or after a snack and I think that's normal and we shouldn't expect them to look the same so okay. so when we're talking about bloating I would definitely say that's the main concern if that comes with pain and things like that yeah yeah okay makes sense I'm like you know I like I love this shit so, <laughs> <laughs> I love this shit it's so good and like as a nutritionist like how do you feel to like through all the huge amounts of information out there about like the gut for example because I've I've seen it pop up so much more yeah in, um what have with kind of anything else recently and I get it could be like even like if you think about it, calorie deficit everyone wants to lose weight they cut things out or they aggressively diet down diet down yeah. so they're cutting foods out and now they're having gut issues they're they're being bloated and whatnot like your microbiome and all this all this information how how would it how would you filter that out to kind of know like what's right or what's wrong and then to come up with your own way of like working and helping individuals do you kind of look at everything or do you is there stuff that you eliminate or is there somewhere you look so I would personally come from that approach if someone was I would look at where the symptoms started okay and was there, you know, a life change, a dietary change? Was it, what was going on then when they first realised they were experiencing the symptoms? Um, and then, yeah, it's, I mean, it's so saturated, isn't it? And I think anything that becomes, that people can capitalise on and profit from. And now, like you said, people will diet down, have loads of gut issues, look online, buy supplements, rather yeah. than think, oh, hang on, actually, this weighs up with this. But I think that's just, you know, it's not human's fault. It's the way capitalism's designed. But I think... You know, we do, if we're reaching out for support, then for example, with yourself, yeah, I would just go back and see where it started and start to work from there. Okay. Cause yeah, I see, yeah, I've had a few people that have gone to like doctors for blood tests and stuff and they've thrown out, given them their like, test results and thrown out things like, yep, yeah, don't eat this, don't eat that. And it's weird, it's almost like it's, it scares like the individual. And I don't yeah. know, not trying to discredit doctors in any way, all right? You have to be very smart to be a doctor and stuff. But like, at the same time, and I could be wrong here, I always find it really weird when people over-respect people with a qualification, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, they're still human, like, relaxed. They're not a god. Like, yeah. they learn off a book or from someone else, which you can question, right? Yeah. So when when they do that, I'm always like, it seems like they're throwing the easy option to you <clears throat> because they're dealing with probably a thousand other people by just saying, cut that out for you specifically, instead yeah. of say, going to say someone like you, that's an actual coach that understands yeah. people's behavior instead of looking at someone as a number. Yeah. So I'm going to hang on. I was trying to try to remember what I was thinking, different points. One, I would say in terms of the, our GPs and our doctors, I think they're amazing. And I would say it's a, the system's the issue. Okay. Not the GPs. They don't have enough time. I yeah, think they're yeah, they're amazing. Secondly, I would say someone that, the you know, the individuals that will come to you and say, well, I've had this test done and it's come up with 50 foods that I actually can't have. So they would have gone not to the doctor because the doctor wouldn't do that. They would do an allergy test at the doctors and that would be maybe one or two common foods. Yeah. um nuts 
X, those type of things. Whereas the other one would have gone to a private practitioner that's trained somewhere and they would have had an intolerance test. And okay. the thing is, we can't actually test for an intolerance. So it's not evidence-based and it then means that people cut a lot of foods out. And that can be really hard to talk to a client about because they paid a lot of money. But often it's like they cut a bit of hair off and sent it. Okay. So it's it's so that's where they come from. And that's kind of what we're fighting against, especially if someone's having a lot of gut health issues and disordered eating, to try and convince them actually this this the evidence suggests that this doesn't work. The only way we can talk about an intolerance is um, or test it is by doing what we said before and that elimination diet. Okay, so this isn't like, because do they do those tests with blood tests? They can do it with blood tests, but an intolerance, only allergies really show in the blood. Oh, so it's bullshit. Yeah. Fuck! And, and you'll probably get some people commenting on that, but the intolerance testings are not accurate. Yo, people spend a lot of money yeah. on that shit. Capitalise from it. You know, unfortunately, people will follow that path won't they oh, they do that very well in america don't they well, that yeah shit. oh yeah yeah and then i was thinking i did have a third thing to say when we were talking about that nhs doctors I spoke about doctors and then doctors. like the, whole, the intelligent thing where people over respect or they don't have enough time i yeah. say oh uh, um, yeah that's it i was going to say and that's why when i was working in the gym i actually only stopped working as a pt in the gym before lockdown okay. um I loved it because everyone, you know, it, everyone in their gym kit, we're all the same. Yeah. Like there's no hierarchy. And that was, that was like one of my favorite places because there was, there wasn't any of that. Wow. Okay. No, I get that. No, I get that. I was like, as well. I love that as well. I do like, I do miss like the gym floor from time to time. Obviously let's be honest, life is better like this, yeah. but, <laughs> but like, I do miss that interaction with people, but oh snap that. That's a shock for me. I thought, I thought those tests were legit. No. I'm glad I haven't sent any of my clients. To... Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because say I could, as a dietitian, be doing like side hustles of making money from, you know, supplements, from intolerance testings, but uh, we're bound by code of ethics. And I personally wouldn't want to anyway, yeah. by, um, you know, not siding with one supplement company or not you know, we have to use evidence-based practice and that's not, the evidence is not there for that. Bro, so from the evidence, those sort of like blood tests or any of the tests that they do for intolerances is actually not accurate. No. Elimination diet for intolerances, blood tests for allergies, and that will be done by the GP. Oh, shit, fuck. I feel oh, like my, I know would have spent money. Yeah. And that's why it's really, really hard to have those discussions because people have invested in these, spend a lot of money and time. And then the behaviors that they've done afterwards by cutting out. I mean, I've seen lists of foods that are unbelievable and they've been left with such little things to eat. Oh, wow. That's mad. That is sad. Mm. That is sad. Because you, like you said, on one end, someone's trying to just make a load of money. And I guess in some ways it probably works for some i also think when this stuff yeah. like these conversations happen they work because they pay someone right they start taking action not only on that one thing yeah. now they're 
walking more. They're training. They're making better choices. They're sleeping more. And they're like, oh my God, I went to this doctor and this is what happened. I'm like, well, no, Susan, (laughs) what happened was... You did everything else right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Now you're putting every, just like what people do with, I tried keto. And now, yeah. I've, well, when you started keto, you started training four days a week and sleeping. Yeah, it's like that motivation ladder, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's really cool. That was really cool. Yeah. And um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've got any more questions, you know. Oh, amazing. We've completed it. Yeah. Got, you know, I've got to do another one in person, I reckon, one day. I know. I'm sorry about that. I didn't no. realise. It's my, it's my fault. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Not a problem. But thank you so much for your time. This is, I think, I love stuff like this because learning through conversation, me personally, like I learned so much more as an individual. And I think it helps the audience out so much as well. I just want to say thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, can you tell people where they can find you on socials and um, So my website is rachelannhobbs.com and my um, Instagram is rachelannhobbs and I think RD, I think, registered dietitian, that stands for. Um, and I don't have anything else, which you've told me off about. I'm not, I haven't transferred to TikTok. I'm not sure it's, it's for me. As long as, long as you're happy. <laughs> exactly. As long as you're happy. And anyone listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Please Share this with your family and friends, people that you know. It will help. Uh, Peace and love. And thank you for listening. Peace.